Welcome to On Texas Football. It's time for Tale of the Tape, brought to you by Mortgages by Gabe and Gabe Winslow. I've got Paul Wadling here, here alongside me. We're going to talk a little Iowa State-Texas matchup. Uh, Paul, uh, it, you know, looking at this, I never would have thought Iowa State would be 5-2 and two in the Big 12 after they go to Ohio. Not Ohio State, not Cincinnati, not, hell, not, Cle- not Toledo. And uh, lose to, to the Bobcats of Ohio University, but here they are, seven, eight weeks later. They're five and two, fighting for a chance to play in the Big Twelve Championship. Yep, five and two, and uh, a little bit of a backloaded schedule for the Cyclones because after they play Texas, they have to travel to Kansas State in Manhattan. So there's a chance they finish out five and four. I think they'd be delighted if they could finish out six and three. I don't think they're going to play for the Big Twelve title, uh, but. They got a shot, and where there's life, there's hope, and uh, they're going to bring all that hope for a night game in Ames, and hope to unseat Texas and give them give us a final goodbye. Let me ask you this: uh, the idea that Iowa State has improved over the season is unquestionable. They really have. They, I mean, Matt Campbell. I don't know if he's Houdini or what he is, but he he rubbed some magic on it and threw it out there, and it's been working for him in Big Twelve play. What has been the catharsis or the change that they've undergone since the beginning of the season to today that has made them a better football team along the way? So you saw the maturation and evolution of quarterback Rocco Becht, son of former New York Jet NFL guy, Anthony Becht, who was in the league. I did, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's doing a good job. He's, he's really adds a little bit. He's mobile, uh, not really a runner. But he's just mobile. He's pretty zippy around in the pocket. He can move around a little. Pretty fearless. And he's doing a good job of getting the ball down the field. Uh, he's proven to be, over time, an upgrade over Hunter Deckers. So that that loss, that gambling loss, was fortuitous. And uh, it's made them improve. They also had better they, – they got better O-line coaching, Bobby. They replaced their O-line coach, and they hired Ryan Clanton, who's a young guy, who was sort of an up-and-coming star – uh, and he has done a good job with their O-line. He shuffled them around. He switched some guys out. They're firing out with better pad level, and their run game has actually improved, just their standard run game, uh, and that's that's helped them. And then finally, the, as usual, Heacock on defense, it's come together. Uh, they, they're, just, they're just playing well as a unit, and sometimes Iowa State needs some reps for it to come together for their system under live fire. I'd say the final part that is being neglected, though, Bobby, is – the schedule. The schedule has been very favorable to them because the fact is, yes, they did lose to Iowa early. They did lose to Ohio on the road in Athens, the, the foothills of the Appalachia. I've actually been there. Uh, but what really changed, I think, that helped their growth, but also helped them show their growth was they haven't been playing very good teams. And when they have played good teams, they've still lost. They lost to OU. Uh, they lost to Kansas just recently. And they've beaten teams like BYU, Baylor, Cincinnati. Uh, so have they improved? Yes. Is that improvement in wins and losses necessarily reflective of their true improvement to a standard of play? I'd say that they're, they've gotten an easier schedule and they've been able to show some of their improvements better. Uh, but this is by no means a juggernaut, but they do have some strengths and, and some weaknesses that we'll talk about in this tale of the tape. It's interesting because Iowa State, Frankly, uh, Paul, they they beat uh, they they're the only loss or were the only loss for Oklahoma State prior to Oklahoma State becoming 
a, a better team over the course of the year until they lost to, to Central Florida. So it's really, I mean, this it's kind of been this, you know, ebb and flow almost of a season. Um, you mentioned John Heacock, the the uh, defense coordinator, uh, tremendous guy, really is the guy. I don't know if he's the father of the three three five, but he's more like the uh, I don't know grandfather of it. I mean, he's the one that you know speaks it the loudest. And Steve Sarkeesian in his press conference earlier this week said that he's the one that runs it in its purest form and that his team plays really, really fast with it, has a lot of intricate things that they can do with it. Um, talk, tell, tell people a little bit about what's different from his 335 and then what may Kansas may run or Houston or one of these other teams. One thing I like about Sark is he's a little bit of a football nerd and he loves the history of football. He loves the evolution of stuff. Uh, he he mentioned Eric Coriel in his press conference. I think someone brought that up, and he was rattling off Dan Fouts stuff. And he's like, "Wow, I haven't heard that in a while." He was all excited to talk about it. So uh, I I like that about Sark. I, I share that with him. The real father of the three three five is Rocky Long, uh, and he's the guy who sort of created it. But I think that the Iowa State defensive coordinator has created his own little spin on it. And it is the purest version. It's the flyover defense. I think our, our friend Ian Boyd coined that. And the idea is it's the three safeties across, right? It's the three, three, three. And then you've got your two corners outside. And you have this layered defense. And it seems to be inviting the run, right? But those safeties have assigned gaps, usually the C gap, where they're coming up with abandon once they read run. And suddenly that outside zone play that you think is going to go for 18 yards is second and nine, and you're not quite sure what happened. And so you do it again, and <laughs> the same thing happens. And then, when, of course, when you throw the ball, they can do everything from you know blitz packages to drop eight, which is the, you know, the Heacock specialty. That's the pure form I think Sark is referring to of, hey, I'm going to rush three guys and I'm going to drop eight, and some of them are going to be playing man, and some are going to be playing zone, and we might even be doing it differently on different sides of the field. And if your quarterback isn't sophisticated, if your wide receivers don't know how to read it, you're going to have a lot of frustration. And, in fact, we're going to turn you over. And that's one thing that Iowa State always excels at. This year, no different. 15 interceptions on the year, Bobby, which is outstanding. Uh, a big part of that is their secondary, which is the strength of their defense. Uh, and I think that's – that's the pure distillation of the 335 and, and particularly Heacock's version. And uh, he's masterful at it. And, and they know how to run it. They they are born into it. They're inculcated it, inculcated it in them from the very beginning when they arrive at Iowa State. And it's got different reads and different requirements from most college defenses. And so he can take certain players that are a three-star, a mid-three-star. And eh, you're not sure where they fit in a traditional defense, but in that 3-3-5, a, a big, strong, physical safety who's tall and long, who may not be that fast, they've got a great spot in that 3-3-5 because the defense protects them a little, but then also allows them to show their best features, which is their physicality and their length. Gotcha. Um, all right. Speaking with Paul Wallington of InsideTexas.com. Paul, uh, we are sponsored each and every Thursday by one of your close friends, uh, and somebody you really believe in, Gabe Winslow. I'll try to keep my length down on this promo, Bobby, but he's worthy of a, a long uh, soliloquy, a long monologue, Shakespearean, in fact. Uh, Gabe is a great guy. He's great at what he does, a huge Longhorn supporter. You'll find him supporting 
multiple endeavors, including a little NIL cheese, Bobby. He's no. stepping up. Uh, and Gabe is a great guy. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. But beyond the fact that he's a great guy and a great Longhorn, you need to call him because he's the best at what he does. Uh, this is the most important financial decision you'll ever make, purchasing a house. Uh, have Make sure you have the best people on your side and on your team. Uh, you'll know the difference the first 90 seconds of your conversation with Gabe. Pick up the phone. If he's not your first call, make damn sure he's your last. Got it. Thank you, Gabe, very much. Uh, not only for that, but also for your NIL support. I mean, all Longhorn fans, that's a that's a positive thing uh, if you can do that. Hey, um, Paul, a couple other questions. Uh, you mentioned Rocco Beck. You mentioned Ryan Clanton, the offensive line coach. They've got a pair of young running backs that are pretty good, too, that I noticed uh, that are doing pretty good for them this year. Uh, you mentioned the running game in whole is doing better. I agree with that. It seems like they have some guys that can break a tackle or two, whereas last year, and ever since Brees Hall has left, they didn't really have that guy. Yeah, they, they've got a three-headed running attack, Bobby. So they've got a couple of – each guy has a different characteristic. The the most explosive guy, I think, is the freshman Abu Sama. I, that might be one of the guys you're referring yep. to. Big game against BYU. Uh, then they've got – uh, Cartavius Norton, who's returned from injury. He's a stronger guy. And then they've got Eli Sanders, who's sort of the transitional form uh, representing both of them. The, the point with those guys is they play all three. They're comfortable playing all three. None of them ever get a big workload. So, you know, no, none of the three is ever going to get more than 12 or 15 carries. So they're always fresh and uh, they sort of just play the hot hand. So, you know, in the combination with a little bit of the improvement on the offensive line, they're actually able to run the ball a little bit, uh, but certainly much better than last year where they were just horrific running the ball. And early in the year, they're horrendous at running the ball. They've become an average running team. So if you really go light in the box, uh, they can punish you for that. It's not like they're great at running, but they're reasonably effective. They're in the top 100 in the country. Not great, but they also in the top 80 and are number 76 in passing. It's not this juggernaut of an offense, but they are fairly effective. You and I were talking beforehand. They, they, they're over 40% uh, conversion rate on money downs. Uh, so the offense is pretty good. Uh, not great. Not, you know, something they're going to put a lot of points on the board. I'm not trying to say that, but it is functional. Whereas maybe at first in early the season when Rocco Beck was just getting his footing, they were not. I will ask you one last thing. How are they on pass protection? And what about their receivers? They're pretty good in pass pro. Uh, they also get the ball out pretty quickly. And I think Becht is under pretty strict orders not to take sacks. He likes to run around a little bit, but he, he'll he just throw the ball away or or he'll turf it, and, you know, take three yards if, if he gets too much pressure. Uh, but Iowa State has always gotten the ball out pretty quickly. And they finally have some receivers that can allow that to happen. They've got Jaden Higgins. He's 6'4", 210. He's the deep threat. Averages over 17 yards per, carry, uh, per catch, I should say. And then Jalen Noel, who is a guy who dropped something like 13% of his targets last year, uh, horrendous. He's actually really improved. He's a uh, strong-bodied sort of squatty guy. He's their screen and slant guy. So he averages 10 yards a catch, but he moves the chains, and he's got some ability after the catch he can run. He's really improved. He's catching the ball more reliably. So they've seen a material improvement in their wide receivers. Uh I did want to touch on their defense a little bit, Bobby. Yeah, yeah. I want to go to the defense next, if you don't mind. Okay. Do, yeah, they, have, no do they have anybody at tight end that – I mean, you know this. Their tight ends killed Texas at, yes. under Herman in particular. 
but any any tight ends that you worry about, or are they just they are not tight end centric okay. as they have been in prior. Uh, you know, they have tight ends, and they're all the obligatory six foot seven dudes from like rural South Dakota. And yep. rural yeah, yeah, you, you know what I mean. Do they have yeah. anybody that really, really concerned? Not that they're not going to hit something up the seam, but do they have two guys that they used to run down and down the seam against? Okay, all right. No, they, right, they let's go to defense. Let's go to defense. To your let's to your prerogative. Right. Let's take Paul's cue. All I'm right. excited. Talk to me about the strengths and weaknesses of this defense. We've already talked about the flyover defense as a whole. The clear strength of this defense is the secondary. Uh, they are physical. One thing you notice about Iowa State, they probably have the biggest secondary in college football, man for man. Wow. Uh, so and it starts at safety. Bo Freeler and Malik Verdon are the two safeties. Bo's about 6'2", 220. Malik Verdon's about 6'4", 225. I mean, these wow. are... In modern college football, you don't see that much anymore. And, uh, you know, you don't see the Steve Atwater dudes running around much anymore because of the advent of the spread. But because of the structure of that defense, they have those two guys back there. And they are as active in intercepting the ball and coverage as they are in run support. That's really the key. They may be lined up deep, but they're actually coming up to support the run. Uh, they also have two corners who are pretty big or at least physical uh, Miles Purchase, about 5'10", five five but over 200 pounds. And then TJ Tampa, who's the most gifted player in their secondary. He's their lockdown corner. He's about 6'2", 200. Uh, you know, I thought Josh Newton was the best corner in the league. And then Xavier Worthy set him on fire and disposed of the body at, at, in the first half against TCU. So maybe, maybe we'll see TJ Tampa, but... Uh, Heacock ain't going to match him up one-on-one -on -one with no help. Uh, I think some people in the league learned a lesson from, from last last week. And then and finally, they have Jeremiah Cooper. He's been their nickel. He has been a big breakout player for them. He missed the Kansas game. I don't know what his health status is for Texas, but he leads them in interceptions with five. Wow. He loves to take risks. A little Jade Barron in him. You know, he plays a little bigger than he is. And uh, he's just been tremendous for them. He's been a revelation for that that pass defense. Really helped them come together. That said, you can't cover forever, Bobby. And if you have to cover for four or five seconds, even in a drop eight, someone's going to pop open, particularly receivers as talented as Sanders, Mitchell, Worthy. Uh, Iowa State struggles to get pressure on the passer. They have 17 sacks on the year, which is – below average doesn't sound that terrible it's actually worse than that which is a bunch of those sacks came against some pretty sorry teams and then they've had multiple games where they're not only not getting sacks they're not getting pressures they're not getting hurries they're not getting on the quarterback at all and one thing i have to say about the texas offensive line is they've been pass protecting beautifully last uh, two games no sacks just phenomenally i mean beyond even just the sack number viewers doesn't have guys in his face and C.J. Baxter, have to call out. He's done a nice job as well in blitz pickup. So I think that's going to be helpful for Texas. Sark is going to see that on film. And so I think we're going to run some routes where there's some progressions involved. It's, it's not going to be that immediacy and urgency to just get rid of the ball. Uh, we might have a couple of wrinkles. That said, I think Iowa State's aware of this. I think they're going to play some off coverages. So – Yours may want to eat early. You know, if they show you an eight-yard pickup to Whittington, let's not bypass him and try for the big play as he did against TCU. 
let's throw it to the sticks and let our guys run around and, and see if they can make a play after the catch. We'll be able to dial up some shots because they just really struggle with getting pressure. And when they do get pressure, they have to bring the house. And I think that presents obviously some opportunities for Texas. What about the Texas run game versus the Iowa State rush defense? Well, I was very optimistic about this matchup up until Jonathan Brooks blew his ACL because Brooks has the running style, the patience, and the vision to really exploit the run support that comes from depth, right? C.J. Baxter, you know, I'm not trying to criticize someone. He's a true freshman. He has shown very little ability to fight through contact. Uh, He's not shown great vision. And Sark said he's healthy. So I don't think it's a that he's injured. I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. But Brooks's genius as a runner is his absolute ability to get through tight spaces and just sort of Houdini the first tackler, either kind of run through him or, or run around him or, or present himself in a certain way and then not be there. That would have been really effective against Iowa State. I think he would have rushed for 150-plus. I think we're going to struggle to run the ball consistently unless we dial up something schematically or we go to maybe Jaden Blue or uh, maybe even Keelan Robinson and and introduce a different element to our run game. Interesting. Okay. All right. Um, Overall, uh, Paul, this this game, Longhorns favored. Uh, Your your thoughts on the game overall and how how it should play out in your opinion. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, Are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Texas goes out to a lead and then <laughs> the other team rallies back. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, Bobby, we're the, we're the better team. Even Jonathan Brooks out is not insignificant. That is a big deal. And typically I'm someone who's of the – Eh, you know, running backs are running backs and they could be replaced. Well, not the special ones. And Jonathan Brooks was special for us. So not only just the running game, but the passing game, you know, the 74 yard screen against TCU was a big play and he's shown himself adept at that throughout the year. So that's going to be a big loss. Uh, That said, Texas is still the better team. And I think defensively, just like the TCU first half, there's an opportunity to dial up pressure against a young quarterback 
who's going to be feeling a little bit of tension at home. And I think if Texas will bring some aggression, create some one-on-one interior matchups for Murphy and Sweat through interior blitzing, let's not make Anthony Hill a pass defender. Let's make Anthony Hill a blitzer and a a mayhem creator, which is his strength. I think Texas has a real opportunity to put them in negative down and distance because they ain't running against the six-man pressure. And uh, I don't think they're going to be able to get the ball out in time very consistently. They might hit a shot here or two, but I'd rather have that than just this slow death of watching a team just move the ball down the field because we're playing this passive guard grass coverage. So I think we could set the tone on defense early and often, and I don't think we should take our foot off the accelerator there until they prove they can beat it consistently. Is their path to victory, Iowa State's path to victory, similar to what Wyoming tried to do to Texas? You know, honestly, if you just don't quit against Texas, you have a path to victory because we're going to let off. I mean, that's just the truth. That's Texas has not covered the spread in four of their last five games, Bobby. And uh, there's a reason for that. So, you know, Texas needs to show a level of standard of play, both on the sideline and also on the field in terms of intensity and execution. And then also bring that intensity and execution to your play calls. Uh, I, I think Pete Kwiatkowski laid off in the second half and it was to our detriment. Uh, you know, TCU, frankly, dominated us on their last four drives of the of the game, whereas before that we had dominated them. And the only thing that changed were his play calls. Yeah, I, I wonder that. And then Texas just coming up short on third and fourth and short. Uh, and that, that played a role, too. Texas, two of eight, Paul, on third and three or shorter. On and Sork was pissed off about it. Yeah, he. I mean, he. It, it is an issue. And it, look, I don't know what they need to do. Maybe don't go to tight formations. Maybe try to figure something else out because otherwise I, I just don't know what's going to happen. All right. Well, um, you know, maybe, maybe don't run Wildcat behind Hayden Connor, your, your worst run blocker. Yeah. There's a lot of different things. I mean, I, I, I look at it and just say, whatever it is, it's got to get better. You can't be two of eight. All right, uh, Paul, I want you to say thanks one more time before I, uh, to our sponsor, uh, Gabe Winslow, before we have one final question today. Yep. Thanks to our brilliant sponsor, Gabe Winslow. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. Or if you're shy on the phone, drop him a line at www.mortgagesbygabe.com. I included that www for the olds, Bobby, just in case they're having trouble with their search bar. Uh, We really thank Gabe for his support. And uh, y'all give him a call if you're doing a mortgage. I think you you need to reach out and find out why he can make a difference. All right. Uh, one one final question for you. Um, Texas in the Big 12 championship. You know, Oklahoma State goes out and throws lays a big fat egg in Orlando. Uh, Oklahoma, you know, beats uh, West Virginia at home convincingly. Uh, that really just leaves Texas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma and Iowa State among the, the teams with two losses or less in the conference. Texas currently leading. But This is a must-win game for the Longhorns. Otherwise, they're not going to be in the Big 12 championship. Um, I want to ask your thoughts on that as a whole and then ask you also the Bo Davis tirade two years ago. Um, Turning point for me and Steve Sarkeesian's regime, really, uh, in Austin. Does that have any effect on this game? Those Some of those guys on that bus, like Jalen Ford, like Jade Barron, uh, 
JT Sanders, um, Christian Jones. Does that does that matter in your opinion? Yeah. So two 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 sort of musings there. The first is on the Big Twelve tiebreakers for the title game. If Texas loses this game and you run the permutations of everyone else and the rest of the schedules, probably not going to the Big Twelve title game. And you you go from the driver's seat to being left out in the cold. Uh, that would be terrible for this program. I just think it would be awful to have this sort of season almost for naught, right? And and I think this is a huge game. And I think Sark needs to not be shy about telling the team, hey, this is the Big 12 title game right now because you ain't going to be playing in, in Dallas if you don't win this game. Uh, weirdly, you know, we can beat Iowa State and lose to Tech, which God knows we don't want that to happen, but, you know, and, and still have a very good shot of getting in. But, you know, the way the tiebreakers are aligned and all that, this is this is the must-win circle circle the, circle the wagons game for Texas. So uh, I think they have the potential to go in there and win a names. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, that said, the Bo, Di- Bo Davis tirade, I'm of two minds on this. Uh, so one, you know, coaches yelling at players, it might feel good and cathartic. It doesn't do much, really. Uh, I, I think ultimately your offseason, your coaching, your preparation, the seriousness with which players take the game, that's that's all built in. You know, you'll notice that Texas didn't have this big rally after that game, right, that season. But I do think what it did was set a standard, which, you know, Bo Davis said so eloquently. If, if you want to be like this, like, get out of here. Get in the portal. We don't need you. Uh, and, and I think there was a message conveyed there that was probably a part of the bigger culture, which is saying, hey, if you're here to just be a Texas football player, because it's fun, it's fun to be a football player at Texas, uh, but you don't really actually like the football or you don't care that much about the actual football on Saturdays, like beat it. And, and you know, Texas has probably had a few too many of those guys, probably a few too many of those coaches, frankly, as well. And I think Bo Davis sort of echoed the standard that would be carried forward. That said, I'm not a big like, ooh, the coach yelled and now everything changed. I think generally the, the players either shrug at that or they just sort of go, you know, what's wrong with coach? <laughs> what's he upset yeah, about? No, I, I, I can see that. I also think that because of its public nature, yeah, it may have galvanized the fan base enough such that it echoed in the locker room too. So it just it wasn't just a tirade on a bus. It was more of a rallying cry almost, if that makes sense. I well, I, I hear you though. All right. State, uh, oh, sorry, Bob. I say one player in particular that you could see a sea change in culture with was Devondre Sweat. Because Devondre was a guy, good dude, uh played when he wanted to play. Otherwise, he was pretty comfortable just being out there and tying, you know, like you know, didn't get couldn't get whipped, but it was fine. He just kind of did his job. And then something kindled in him. I don't think it was the Bo Davis thing necessarily, but I think it was a change in culture and his own realization that I can change my family's life by becoming an NFL player. And you see a dude who is as impressive a defensive tackle as we've seen at Texas, paired with Byron Murphy, who, who didn't need anyone to yell at him. He, he showed up at Texas with a chip on his shoulder. But if we can get more of those players, whether they show up that way or we develop them, that's who we want manning the barricades for Texas football. And, and if we get those dudes, we're going to win a lot of football games. All right. That's Paul Wallington, InsideTexas.com. Also, check him out uh, on your podcast, Paul. 
Uh, everyone. everyone yep, there you go. Everyone gets a trophy. Uh, Paul's got a great podcast as well. Uh, that's an accompaniment to Inside Texas. All right, for uh, Paul Wadlington, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been this episode of Tale of the Tape on Texas Football.